Hello, it's Holcast 130, as usual. I'm James Rushton, and I'm joined by Daniel Raza. How are you getting on? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, another another weekend of uh, of good FA Cup action. Um, this time, didn't have to watch Villa get dumped out, though. So, uh, it's been decent. We're now looking forward to the Sheffield United game. Yeah, of course, we're here to talk about everything Aston Villa, matches, lineups, all the all the latest news and all that. Um, not much has gone on in the past week uh, in Villa World. We haven't had the match because the FA Cup weekend, you know, we get dumped out of Peterborough. The price by Peterborough, the price we have to pay is that we don't have a match on the weekend. But it's all well and good, right? Um, a lot has happened, so we'll get into it. There's been a few tidbits here and there, and uh, some major moves, to be honest, mate. Uh, Tommy Alfick has. Um, Moved on loan to Reading in the past uh, 24 hours, as well as Aaron Tishpola, who's moved up north to Kilmarnock. Mate, two loan deals. Uh, moved on two players. Um, don't they don't look like they'll feature much in the Villa shirt now? Um, what's your thoughts on the Alfic one? So the Alfic one, uh, I'm a little bit disappointed with, considering that Samba's injured and we need a cover at centre back. I can understand that now Tanzabi's there, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to put him in. But um, whenever Alfic's played this season, he's played very well. So it's it is a bit of a shame that we have to see him go. However, it is on loan at Reading. Reading do need him, uh, and what it does mean is that Tommy Elphick gets to essentially be a leader for the rest of the season, which could do him a lot of good. It means that next season uh, we might have a ready-made, a ready-made player to come back in. I mean, don't forget John Terry might be retiring at the end of the season, or he might be leaving Villa at the end of the season. And if that's the case, we might need some of his experience back at the end, and uh, this will help him a lot better than sitting on the bench all season. Yeah, and of course, um, if it does nothing else, it puts him in a shop window, you can maybe recoup a lot of that three million or so fee that we paid Bournemouth for him because it doesn't look like Alfie's got much of a future. It's a shame. Um, we bought him to be that leader, but when you buy probably John Terry, you know, who's the, the archetype of what Tommy Alfie should be, there's not much use for a Tommy Alfie. Um Chris Samba is returning from injury, so we do have someone coming back in that department. We've actually got a fully fit squad for once, apart from uh, Kodja. They just need a bit more training, a bit more match practice, and they'll be ready. Gabby Bonlahor, of course, is back. Um, so Villa's striking issues might not be that that much of a problem anymore in terms of depth. We don't, you know, the abilities, you know, <laughs> the question of ability is a bit different. In terms of depth, we don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The worry seemed to kind of erode there. Um, Aaron Tishbola, mate, bit of a weird one. Um, shined a few times in the Villa shirt. I'm, I'm having a guess that you don't care much about him uh, leaving. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically a signing which hasn't worked out. It's a shame because he's quite young as well. Whenever, whenever he has played for Villa, I've thought he's been decent. You know, he's always held up and I have liked the fact that he's got a lot of energy. Um, but then uh, consider also that at Villa, we were kind of starved of any real midfield brilliance. And now watching Conor Hurahan play and watching Grealish at the same time as well, looking at guys like uh, Henry Lansbury as well. You know, whenever he's played like this season, I know he's, he's been injured for a lot of it. Um, it does kind of show you that there is a little bit of a difference in in in, in, in ability and skill set. Uh, it is good that he's going out on loan at Kilmarnock, but what I don't quite get is what's the purpose of sending him out on loan if we're going to send him over to the SPL or Kilmarnock, even in the first division of Scottish football? Um, they are they are strugglers. Um, Kilmarnock are in my family. Um, it's a big portion of my family actually supports them. We live up in Scotland. Um, they aren't the greatest team. Um, they are 
you know, they they do hang around the bottom. I think the quality could be maybe compared to a lower championship team or indeed a League One team. Um, they aren't very good at all. Um, they I, they have suffered relegation now, bounced back up. I think they're in the Scottish Premier League right now, um, but they wouldn't be close to the top at all. Um, that's business as usual but yeah it's a chance for Tisrella to shine um, but we said that when he went to MK Dons and he kind of lost his head there it's not is it he's not going to sh- he's not going to get back into the Villa team off the basis of, of of performances in the SPL let's be totally honest no he's not I've got I'm not, no, no disrespect like no disrespect to it but you, you you don't when has it ever worked out sending a player out on loan in Scotland because they come back and they're in a you know they're, they're in a much tougher sort of level of football same thing happened with Harry Forrester, didn't it? I think if you cast your mind back, we signed a promising young player from Watford. Um, I think the fee did increase to about three or four million, same around about to Tish Rollers. Um, did it? Yeah, Forrester? yeah. Forrester was, he was pr- quite pricey. It was that time when, when you signed a young player, you used to be able to just nick them, didn't you? You could just... Um, if they were under 21 or under 18, maybe you could just come in, give them a contract and that's it. And um, I think when we signed Forrester, it was one of the first high profile youngster transfers. Um, I'm, I'm here to be corrected, to be honest. Um, I do believe that it was more than 1 million that he was signed for. So it's similar to Tish Bowling, the fact that we signed someone kind of unproven, kind of no senior action at all. They went to Kilmarnock on loan. Well, they're going well. Tishbell is going to Kilmarnock on loan, and the chances there from to not impress, and then kind of end up in a, a footballing quagmire, so to speak, where they are clearly talented. Forrester, Harry Forrester is clearly a talented footballer. Played, you know, you don't get signed by Brentford, you know, who look to cut their purse strings, keep it, keep it, um, keep their transfer budget slim. Look for a decent, high profile, not high profile, decent signings with high upside, um, cheap, cheap by purchase, high upside like Harry Forrester. Well, um, but it's the same thing, isn't it? Like you go up there, you do well, you come back to Villa, nothing, nothing happens, and you are suddenly playing in the Championship and League One for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, this is it. This is it. I, I don't, I don't quite think he's it's going to work out for him now. Um, just, just a point on um, on Harry Forrester. According to a BBC article in 2007, it was an initial fee of 250 grand, which could have potentially risen to 1.2 million pounds. But still, it's. That's yeah, way off. <laughs> I, I, can, I can see where where you're coming from there, anyway, because two hundred fifty thousand pounds is, I believe, the uh, amount of money we sold Gary Cahill for. So uh, let's just brush over that one. <laughs> was it? Was it? Some, I think it was. Wow. Anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, Shibola, he like I said, he looked good. You know, he had some energy on the ball. For whatever reason, Di Matteo didn't like him um, after playing him a couple of times, and we were stuck with kind of a slow midfield. And, you know, one which didn't have any bite in it. And I did think Shibola might have been the reason why it was uh, missing. You know, it would have been better to have him on the pitch, basically. But then, yeah, as you say, didn't look good at all for MK Dons. Or as far as I know, as far as the, the reviews that I've read, I haven't been wa- watching a lot of MK Dons. Um, and I don't think that him going to Kilmarnock is going to rescue his career whatsoever. I think it's a move that has been done purely because uh, nobody else has taken him. And he needs to play football and he can't get that at Villa. So I think he's been sent off to Kilmarnock and at the end of the season, we'll be looking to move him on. Yeah, well, I, can't, I can't agree more, mate. It does look like a, uh, it does look like he needs a new start and if he gets that Kilmarnock, fair enough, but he's not going to play to a level where he comes back and saves Aston Villa. Is he? He's not going to re- displace Conor Huron. Or more so, he's not going to displace Axel Twanzebe, who comes to us from Manchester United on loan. Now, Congolese international, so he's already a step up on a Aaron Tishbola who hasn't yet featured for the Congolese national team, as far as I know. Um, 
But yeah, Axel Twanzabay joins us from Manchester United on loan, looking to play as defensive midfielder. He has got attacking midfield talent. He's, he, he can play across the uh, across the uh, midfield four. Uh, from what I've heard, his interview on with Aston Villa is really kind of enlightening about the characters. He's a leader. He's someone. He's a good passer. He's uh, almost a complete footballer. He can play across the back and can play across midfield. And he's here at Aston Villa. To, Aston Villa to define his footballing future in his own words. Good signing, isn't it? It is a good signing, but I do have a couple of worries. Go on. I, I, I should be starting it on a positive note, shouldn't I, really? But I go, go ahead with the worries, mate. Just, just, just because I know you're I know you're very you're very positive about it. I'm positive about it as well, right? I have a couple of concerns. He's being marketed by Villa so far as a player who can play everywhere, right? He's 20 years old. We don't quite know his best position. He's played five games for Manchester United. So, you, uh, you know, it's, it's not, there's not a lot that we know there. Just a correction as well. He's played for the England under-21s. He doesn't play for Congo. Uh, he's fr- oh, is he not played for Congo? I think that's my football manager game, mate, where I've got that I think, from. I think, <laughs> to, mate, to be I think honest. it is. He's, he was, he's, from, he's from Congo. <laughs> he's from Congo. But he, like, yeah, I mean, um, like, like, the, the, the worry I have is I'm looking at, uh, let's have a look at a case study of Josh Onoma. You know, he was brought into the team and pretty much no matter how he played, um, Steve Bruce wasn't, you know, taking him out. It was almost as though we were selecting him because uh, we had to select him because he was on loan and sometimes we'd even pick him when it didn't make sense to. Now, is that going to be the case with Tanzebi? Because I don't know who you can displace out of that team right now. Who, uh, who, 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 who does he replace? It would be unfair for, you know, Tuanza Bay, who hasn't appeared for Congo. <laughs> Let me just say that. He's actually off my football. I've got my football manager game up where I have Tuanza Bay is one of my players and he has played for Congo. I think I just thought he'd made an appearance and it had registered. Um, but yeah, uh, it would be unfair for him to displace Berkia Bjarnason, who's actually... You know, we don't have much footage on Bjarnason, but what he's played in that defensive midfielder position is it's very encouraging. Um, Mila Yedinak, of course. Uh, maybe Glenn Whelan, he could, he'd be a step above. But, you know, we, we're we here to see what we've got. And, you know, if he turns out to be good and turns out to be a step that gets us promoted, I'm all, I'm, I'm all for more bite in midfield, especially bite as mobile as Tuanza Bay. Yeah, you know I mean? If we're playing Wolverhampton Wanderers, yeah, maybe you go with Tuanza Bay and... Jedinak or something, or Twanzabi and Whelan, and then you play Grealish in front of the two of them, and you know you, you you look to control that midfield. Maybe that could work, right? But I personally think he's been brought in as the centre back cover. Uh, I don't, excuse me, I, I don't quite know what Bruce sees in Twanzabi that Elphick wouldn't bring. Um, but it might be the case that well, Elphick has obviously gone out, and he needs to play. He needs to be a leader somewhere. It might be that you know. Elphick's been looking for that loan move. Um, and so naturally what we do is we bring in a younger player who's not going to mind getting a few appearances rather than, you know, not playing every single game. And I think that's more likely to happen, if I'm totally honest. I think it's going to be Tranzibi as a backup centre-back, perhaps, or maybe even a backup right-back for when uh, Al Ahmadi or Hotton aren't, aren't, uh, aren't playing. Yeah, exactly. I think he, uh, we don't have much utility players when it comes to defence. 
which is why I feel Tuan's base may be being brought in. Um, Tommy Alphick, of course, can play centre-back. Can he play right-back or left-back or defensive midfield? Or any position that we may need, and this is not a definite need, but that we may need in the months and weeks to come. And I think Tuan's base comes in. He's like a plaster that fills all of that. He can fill in across any position of need. And I tell you what, if uh, John Terry does drop down or James Chester and we've got Chris Samba, uh, who's injured? Who is you know susceptible to injury problems? Oh, I'm not feeling too confident. Even Tommy Alvik, he's performed well, um, but let's not forget like last season, he was he did have a few terrible performances in his back. He's got he's got that performance in him. He has a nightmare performance in him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, the, the performances last season were also based on the midfield, which just wasn't good enough. We had a midfield that was losing the ball all the time. We couldn't control the game, and we were always having the pressure on us. I was possibly down to Steve Bruce's tactics, which for some reason have changed possibly due to Steve Agnew. We were playing in that way. The defence is constantly under pressure and yeah, they will make a mistake eventually. Tommy Elphick looked totally different when he played recently. Yeah, we newfound confidence. He uh, really looked to stake his claim in the team. I think last season was awful in a sense that, wow, it's it's like a complete turnaround, isn't it, in everyone? You know, everyone's... Yeah. It's a shame that we can't see what we've got in Tishbola and Galini because everyone else has had a chance to really... Turn it around, you know. Alfie put on that show and he come in, and it was almost like we weren't missing John Terry, mate. Um, so it's a shame that we don't really get to see what everyone does with that second chance. But then again, um, we've moved, we've moved forward and moved on. Here's a point: What's happening with goalkeepers now? Jed Steer's injured to the end of the season. Sorry, you mentioned Galini. I just had to. No, that's fine. That's completely fine. Jed Steer's actually out, isn't he? He's done. Um, I I worry about his uh, time at Villa now because if you're he's pushing 25, 26, um, if I remember correctly, I'm going to get something wrong again, and I might. Um, but he isn't that young keeper that we signed anymore. He is uh, someone who should be looking to make a, st- a statement and should be looking to take that number one jersey, and he is good enough to take that. Um, but Galini's a worry. Galini really is a worry, mate. He I, I can't remember him barely playing a game um, at Atalanta in a, over in Serie A last season. He made like one or two appearances. Um, this season, he's made four or five. And that's... Th- th- for a goalkeeper, you should be starting every game, mate. Five appearances isn't good. Wait, where is he? Atalanta. Well, he's not going He's not gonna get a game at Atalanta, is he? Why is he, why is he on loan at, a, at a, like, uh, a Europa League standard team? The thing is, he came in last season and they had some decent keepers. They had about three... three Keepers you could consider to be first-team keepers, mate. They ended up signing one of them to a full-time contract, if I remember correctly. This is where I'm going to get another thing wrong. But Galini come in, and I believe Galini was second choice. He went immediately to second choice. And then one of their, one of their keepers had a game where they conceded seven goals. You know, you can't blame a keeper for that. But Galini went in. <laughs> Galini didn't ever come back from that. Galini was, you know, he come in after those seven goals were conceded by the other keeper. And he never made a statement. Now, Europe, it's funny you mentioned Europa League football because that's that's a time when I think you need two keepers. You switch it around. You can, you know, rest a keeper. Keepers do need rest, believe it or not. Um, I think you play Galini in those matches. Mate, he's made zero appearances in the Europa League. He's made one appearance in the Cup. <laughs> you know, whatever's happening in Atalanta isn't working for him. And I think Villa have really... I know he wanted the move. He's uh, he's built into his contract was the fact that he works with this goalkeeping coach. You know, when Di Matteo left, the goalkeeping coach left, so he's suddenly in a position where what he signed for isn't there. So he's been moved on to Atalanta. Now we've got someone we probably can't do anything with who isn't playing games at Atalanta and improving that we aren't going to get the value we sold him for. And he's he was good. He wasn't yeah, like horrible. 
Yeah, he made a couple of clangers, but so did, you know, Sam so Johnson, Johnson made about yeah. Sam Johnson had probably one of the worst spells in a Villa goalkeeping shirt. That that two that two or so month that eight week period at the start of at the start of twenty seventeen, mate, was terrible. That was Brad Guzan levels, weren't it? Let me just point out that you know, obviously in Italy they have a lot of loan players out, right? Yeah, Atalanta have eight goalkeepers out on loan. <laughs> That, that's a worry that Galini can't establish him, establish himself in that team. But, could, but we know he's good enough. I've seen him be good. He's a, he's a decent keeper, mate. You know, you don't come through that. He's been trained to be a decent keeper. Can we call him back? Because I'm assuming like that that would make the most sense to me. You know, if Jed Steer's injured, I because what? we we can't not have a backup keeper. It's a shame. I, I really liked uh, Pierluigi Gallini. I think he was he's a mo- he was a decent mobile keeper. He could actually play the ball with his feet. I know he dropped a few clangers, mate, but every, every keeper does that. Joe Hart, England's number one. Clanger central over there, you know what I mean? It's, uh, Gallini's situation's weird, and I'll, I'll have to have a, a bit more of a look into that, actually, after the podcast. So I'll do some research and write up something about that. Cause it's intriguing. It's very interesting and in- intriguing. But, mate, let's move on to some match action. We've got a match tomorrow against Sheffield United. Um, that's a real kind of six pointer, isn't it? Yeah, uh, this is this is obviously a big game for uh, for both sides. Sheffield United obviously want to try and uh, try and reestablish themselves, haven't they? I think uh, you know, I think Sheffield United have only won one of their last six. You know, this is after I think uh, at home actually this is, um, and this is after a run of thirteen home wins and fourteen league matches. Uh, it's not looking incredibly good for them at the moment. Also, Sheffield United don't tend to do very well against us as well. Uh, I believe they're winless in eight games against Villa. Uh, and Villa haven't lost at Bramall Lane um, in the Championship or the second tier since 1969. And that result was 5-0. So, well, we what's go. disappointing though is one of the more disappointing or upsetting results this season was us being 2-0. Get up against uh, Sheffield United and them clawing two-two back. Um, I'm in mind that there, there's an upset on the cards here. Um, Sheffield United are a team that really give it a go. Um, so to speak, they they aren't they won't, they're not a team that will sit back. They, they will try to deliver that knockout punch. And if they can't win, they're gonna uh, they're gonna claw back a deficit. Um, they sometimes they go out in you know they have spells of horrible form and then they'll win some massive games, mate. That's why they they're where they are because they they bring teams they they do knock teams down to their level and. Uh, I'm not too optimistic about this. I think the, hopefully the break in games, we've had about 12 or so days since the last one, I think, or 10 or so days since our last game. And um, we needed that momentum. I think that momentum really helped us. And I think if there's a game that's going to be a bit dodgy, it's going to be this one. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's it's going to be difficult as well because they, they they do have their their total finisher in Leon Clark, who just... You know, I think he went on an incredible run, didn't he? Of just scoring with nine—I mean, it was nine consecutive shots on target or something like that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's—it's—it it, it does look like it could be one that, that ends up being in a draw again. It could be another two-two. I think both of the teams are very, very good at scoring goals. Both teams at the moment very good at finishing. But Hogan, they've got Clark, and also Sheffield United, I believe, should be having. Um, some new signings in as well. I believe Ricky Holmes, Lee Evans and Ryan Leonard uh, also means that Chad Evans could be making his first uh, appearance in September as well, actually. Well, uh, less said about that, the better, mate, I feel. But um, yeah, Sheffield United are a team that can make a surprise. They can 
give you a dent, you know, they can knock you off pace. Um, predictions for this man, because it is going to be, unfortunately, out of date quite quickly. We'll uh, save more meat for the Burton Albion, which will be an exciting game on the, the weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll save more meat for that. What are your predictions for this, mate, at Bramwell Lane mm. on Tuesday? It's on Sky. It's on TV. Uh, what happens? How does it go down? This one does have draw written all over it. Actually, if you think about it, I think there's both teams over here who can score goals. Um, if it's going to be down to Villa's defence, I think it's going to be down to both teams' defences. I think last time round, though, what I'm going to say is we were the far better team until we obviously conceded those two goals. Uh, I, I think we're going to win, actually. I'm going to go with a Villa win. Um, and I, I do think that it will be... Um, I'm not sure on a score. I don't think it's going to be as hard as we're making it out to be. I'm going to... I don't, no, genuinely. Okay. I reckon it, it'll be more like a 2-0. Because they, they did play on the weekend as well. Uh, and if we're talking about this whole cup, uh, you know, need to be out of the cup to concentrate on the league scenario, uh, it could be it could be major. And I think, I think as well, you know, good rest for our team. We've been playing well. Bjarnason as well in that midfield. I reckon we go five for five against them as well which means, you know, we'll be able to control it just as well as them. Um, and I do think that Hogan in the form that he's in at the moment is going to score again. So I'm going to go 2-0. That's pretty decent. I think that's really optimistic. I'll go for the 1-1. Um, I'm, I wouldn't be too upset with a draw. I think it does take the wind out yourselves, but not as much as a loss would do, mate. Um, so Aston Villa, fifth place, mate. On the weekend, uh, more excitement. As I head to a bottom, bottom place, Burton, 24th. Uh, without a shadow in prayer. So the team that looks like they're going to get relegated, mate. Um, 24 points. Bottom, joint with Birmingham. Um, they really, really, really need a win. It is tight down there. There are teams like Barnsley, Bolton, Hull City, Reading. Any number of those teams will go down. It is a real squash. It's a real swamp down there. They're all really fighting not to get suffocated by the bottom. But thankfully, it's quite close. So it's not doom and gloom for Burton. If they can get a result at Villa, at Villa Park, um, and they did last time, this last last season on Boxing Day, they did look like they was about to pull it off. Um, they really, really came close to us, still nicking a draw there. Uh, Burton Albion, it's a shame they are they're a small market team. They don't have a, a massive amount of budget, and the, the job Nigel Clough is doing there is fantastic. They just signed Darren Bent on loan as well, which is really interesting. Yes, it is. Um, Fantastic player for Burton. He's certainly still got it in him. He hasn't played at Derby because the quality they have up front has clearly surpassed uh, what Bent's able to offer. But for Burton, he'll start and he'll score goals and that's what they need. Um, Nigel Clough's team, come to Villa Park. What? How does it go down? Um, Burton are a team, they aren't, they're not going to kick the crap at you, and they're not going to sit back. They're, they're, you know, they're still a physical side, but they aren't the stereotype people make them out to be. They're still decent. What happens, mate? Right. Well, Burton Albion, obviously, as you say, they're bottom of the table. Their form doesn't look good at all, uh, but they have managed to get the odd plucky win, haven't they? Uh, as uh, if we're talking about recent results, they managed to get a win over Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, since then, I believe, um, I think, I think that was the last game they won. Uh, let me let me get it right. Let me get it right. Sheffield Wednesday, I think it was. I think it was New Year's Eve. That was the last time they won a game. Yeah, since then, they've had Birmingham City. Uh, they've had Burton Albion. Uh, they've had QPR, sorry, and I think they've had Fulham as well. Um, yeah, last game though, mate. They, they, they got thrashed 6-0. Thrash, thrashed 6-0 by Fulham. Um, they're going to be absolutely out of confidence. I don't care if Darren Bent's there. Who's providing the goals for him? Well, that's one thing. It's one thing we remember with Darren Bent whilst we were at Villa, uh, whilst he was at Villa. Obviously, he hasn't 
uh, he wasn't able to make an impact once we started losing our creative players. Now, I don't mean any disrespect to to, to Burton, but if you look at sort of their their key players so far this season, it's more the defenders than anything. Um, nobody really is has been amazing. I suppose Lucas Atkins has been has been decent for him, but other than that, I can't really pick out any uh, any top performers for him. Uh, so yeah, I just don't think that they have it in them to do anything. I, d- I think this is one where even if Villa don't do well against Sheffield United on Tuesday. Uh, this is this is a game which could really be a be a feel good one for us, and I think I think it needs to be another big uh, needs to be a, another big victory for us. I'm going to go four nil. Gonna go four nil, mate. Mm. Oh, don't blame you. Um, Burton are a team that, despite their best best efforts, the uh, quality of the championship kind of drowned them out. Uh, there's de- there is decency in that team. There's you know. Um, they lost a lot when they lost Jackson Irvine to um, Hall. Um, he hasn't really done much there. No one done much at Hall, mate. They've really had a dour season. I think it's gone unnoticed since Sunderland are doing just as bad. However, um, Burton are a team that, like Sheffield United, can pack a surprise punch, but I, the, the quality is too much at Villa, mate. I'm going to go for 3-0. Um, even if Villa, they don't show up, you know, it's still going to be 1-0, you know. You know when a team is still relying on Lloyd Dyer to to just to you know, supply the striker. They're just not really in with much of a hope. It's a shame. Like they they don't have the money. Like say, if you're Reading and you're all in a in a bad place like they are, you can kind of look at the market and go right. I'll spend one or two million on this. I'll spend three million here. I'll get a few loan deals in. Um, if you're Burton, you're in this kind of similar situation at Aston Villa where you can't spend any money. You've got a bit. You know, you've got a bit of money. However, you don't have the profile of Aston Villa to bring in. You know the type of players that Villa bring in, like Twanzabay. You have to look at the Championship reserves and kind of scout around there. A lot they've done with Darren Bent. I think it's a really good, it's a quality signing for them. It's a, probably the best signing they could have made with what they have. However, it's not going to be enough to really scare Villa. They can do damage. We've seen that last season. You know they they still had the same problems last season as they do now. They haven't improved on that at all. In fact, they've lost a few players. However, you know the surprise the surprise is always there. But we did them. Um, at their place at Pirelli Stadium. Um, there's no reason we shouldn't do that for the park. Yeah, and the other thing is they've got Reading coming up as well. That's going to be an absolute dogfight. They're going to be drained from that game because obviously both those sides are are looking to looking to get themselves out of relegation trouble. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think Tommy Elphick will be at Reading in time to play the game against Burton. It will be interesting if he if he if he is, uh, but hopefully he can help us out on Tuesday and sink their confidence a little bit more. Um, interestingly, right. I just want to put this one out there. I know we're not previewing Burton versus Reading, but it, it's more than possible that you get Thiago Ilori and Tommy Elphick playing together, which means you've got two former Villa defenders playing for Reading. <laughs> it's the same that I'm doing so well. I think um, what's really interesting, mate, and um, before we finish, um, we've previewed both the games. We've done a bit of transfer news. What's really interesting, mate, is um, at, when we did our season preview on seventy five hundred to Holt, we was asked who we think is going to get relegated or have a have a really bad time. Um, no one except Alex Carson predicted that Reading would have a bad time. We all said the obvious teams, you know, Burton, Millwall, Birmingham City. He said Reading, and it was based off the fact, based off expected goals, really, and how they were making. They were just not making chances, and they were still scoring. Their problems continued into this season, and you know it's proven the pudding that you know, analysis can work when you're smart and you add context to it. Because who would have thought that, mate? They haven't had a good time at all under the Yapstam, have they? 
Yeah, no, and it's the, the thing is, it's it reminds me of Paul Lambert's time at Villa, where the thing with Reading is they're very good at passing, very very good at passing. The highest average possession in the league, fifty six percent. Their pass accuracy as well is is very good, seventy eight point nine percent. Right, but the only but I think their average shots per game is something like eleven, which when you think about it, it's one shot every ten minutes there or thereabouts. It's pretty poor. It's pretty poor, uh, and that's translates into one uh, 1.1 goals a game. So essentially, when you figure that out, it's one goal every 10 shots. Um, it's not really enough, is it? Uh, it's you, you can see why uh, why people are frustrated. It's very much a lot of passing around the back. Now, Tommy Elphick signing for them. It's going to be good for their defence. But man, the thing is, where are they going to get the goals from? Aluko and Barrow, right? Are their wingers. Um, they offer a lot of pace. But they're not exactly the most creative players in the world. Uh, and I think they're a very, very bottom-heavy side. And uh, your mate uh, who predicted it, fair play to him. Yeah, that's a, no, we got laughed at, mate. I was like, Alex, if you actually really predicted Reading to go down, he was like, yeah. I was like, boy. And he explained it to me. Oh, I was like, okay. Um, boy, have you done that? And we, people are taking the piss. People are saying, you're having a joke. You're having a laugh. And wow, that is, that is you know, you should have had a bet on that. They won't go down though. They won't go they're down, but like they're good to go down. They're in a real worry. You know, it's not like it's not guaranteed that they stay up. Oh, not safe. Yeah, you, they, they really need to try harder because the other teams underneath them, including like dare I say, Birmingham City, are actually trying to get out of that mess where it looks like Reading are kind of slowly suffocating with each passing game. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just frustrating, isn't it? Because it's awful for the fans as well. Because you just know that no matter how much you have the ball. It's like watching your team just not try whatsoever. We we suffered for it. It was frustrating. It was so, so frustrating. You got so much of the ball. Clearly, there's some talent on the pitch, but just not using it right. Uh, and it's uh, and it's a shame for Reading, really. And I mean, to be fair to them, they've had a lot of injuries this season as well. But even still, uh, it's not really good enough. I'm not I'm not sure who they're linked with in terms of transfers, but I don't think they've done made enough of an effort in the window either to sort that out. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's a, it's a real shame. Um, I thought it'd be a lot different under Yapsdam, and they, were, they got to the playoff playoff final last year, didn't they? Yeah, they, 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 there were a few goals. Uh, yeah, they, they could have been in the Premier League. Mate. How fast does it? They're change? a really annoying team. They just somehow managed to do it, even though they're not the most glamorous team in the world. They always managed to be there or thereabouts. And uh, this year, it's just not been not been uh, very good. They've been out with a whimper, and I'm sure they're going to lose Gunter at the end of the season if they don't uh, if they're not careful as well. Well, that's what happens. Suddenly, your status changes. Suddenly, one day you're you know campaigning for promotion, and you know a whisper a whisker away from the Premier League, and the next day you are avoiding relegation from League One by whisker. Uh, it's a struggle, but thankfully Villa aren't there, mate. We're uh, looking for promotion. Uh, two wins in the next few games will really go a long way to doing that. Any final thoughts on today's topics, mate? Yeah, okay. So transfers so far, it's been a quiet window. It's, I mean, when I say so far, nothing else is going to happen, really. I think there's a couple of rumours flying about. Actually, we should just throw this one out there. There's a few rumours flying about, aren't there, about a striker? I can't remember which journalist it was on Twitter today who said something about, um, if I was to quote him, he said he's just received a call about somebody that uh, Villa are considering, surely not, um, and then said that he wasn't going to say any more about it until tomorrow, uh, which has led people on Twitter to speculate Christian Benteke is going to be coming back on loan. Let me just address that. He's not. 
so that that I'm just gonna put that one to bed. Um, I'm not quite sure who people are considering Villa will be signing, but um, I can't see any more transfers coming in. I don't even think we'll bring in a striker on loan now, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Once we're comfortable, and uh, that only changes if we lose the next two, but we won't. We predicted there'll be wins, as usual. That is at DH Raja on Twitter. You can catch him on Twitter talking about wrestling, all the good, all the good Aston Villa stuff. He's a, he's a, he's a good follow. <laughs> I do say so. And I'm at Jamo Rushton, and I, 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 you know, I hope I don't speak for myself. But I'm a good follow as well. Um, you can catch us both talking about Aston Villa all the time. You can also catch us all speaking about writing about football on a, at seventy five hundred to halt on Twitter. Um, that's it this time. No much to really speak about, but we'll have a, a few to wrap up next time. It'll be a bit longer. So I hope you enjoyed this bite-sized episode and we'll catch you on Sunday. Goodbye.